Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at LMFM.ie It's 10 years uh, since uh, the Catholic Church started offering counselling and support services uh, for survivors of institutional, clerical and religious abuse towards healing as funded uh, by the Irish Catholic bishops. It began under the name of Freeship. We're joined by Bishop Michael Rooter, who's the Auxiliary Bishop of Armagh and a Director of uh, Towards Healing. And a very good morning to you, Bishop Rooter, and thank you indeed uh, for joining us on uh, the programme this morning. You said in your homily over the weekend that the Church would like to shape a conversation now to help heal the wounds of the past and to bring some openness and love to that conversation. Uh, there's been a, a lot of people who've availed of the services uh, that Towards Healing offers, offers some 7,000 survivors uh, for that matter. Uh, what type of people come to you uh, and what kind uh, of support are they looking for? Well, it's important to, to remember, Michael, that the people come in, in uh, you know, under conditions of anonymity. Uh, so, I mean, I, as a director of uh, Towards Healing, wouldn't know who these people are. We have a staff of about eight to ten people who who man the office in Dublin, and uh, they provide services to people who make contact with them. Now, usually they make contact possibly by uh, contacting the the diocese or the religious order to whom uh, they felt their abuse occurred. And they're referred to towards healing uh, for the services that they provide. And also quite a few come to the medical profession as well. They are referred by, by doctors and people in medical uh, profession who um, refer them to towards healing. And, you know, there's a certain verification process that they go through. Mm. 
and then they are put in touch with a counsellor who's completely, like, I mean, it's, it's a completely independent service from the church. It's funded by the church, but it's not run by priests or religious. Mm. So uh, I, I don't know exactly who the people no, are or sure. what type of people they are, where they come from. Mm. But there are some people who naturally are not going to come to the church because of the hurt uh, of, of and and I suppose that's the point of the question. I don't mean to be asking for personal information yeah. a, a, about yeah. people like that uh, on the radio, but uh, there are many people who said that whatever funding the church was giving to this should be should have been given to the state uh, to provide these type of services rather than a church-run uh, organisation, uh, that they couldn't trust the church because of the abuse that they'd suffered uh, as a, a result of uh, members of the church abusing them. Yeah, I, I can understand that 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 opinion very much. Um, there will be people who possibly won't ever come near anything that's run by the church, but I want to take this opportunity today to assure them that it is completely independently run. Uh, it's simply funded uh, by the church, by both AMRI, which is the Association of Missionary uh, Orders and Religious Orders in Ireland, and also by the Irish Bishops' Conference by the various different dioceses. It is funded by that, it's run by that, and they make sure that they have uh, the resources. But it is a very independent uh, service, and I want to assure all survivors of that. Okay, but uh, you can understand uh, there's many reasons uh, why people wouldn't want healing from the institution uh, that it feels that they feel is responsible for the abuse they suffered. Yes, yeah, I, I can understand that. Uh, Michael, I can understand that. All we can do is try to, to reach out to them. We can, you know, just try to, to ease their fears as best we can. But I, I appreciate that there are mm. people who just will never be able to... to um, be reconciled with the church. Is that deserved? I think I think you'd have to say that it is, Michael. I think you'd have to say that it is. I mean, we have a particular history here in this country, uh, in Ireland, and it's a very complex history uh, over a period of time, particularly, I suppose, nearly since the famine, in one sense, um, the type of church that developed in Ireland. Lost touch with the with people, you know, lost touch with with the sense of, of compassion. It became, particularly with independence and the, the, the government of the state were kind of happy enough to hand over uh, because of the poverty of the state and the struggles that the economy was going through to hand over the, the management of education and healthcare and industrial reform mm. schools uh, to the church. And the church, you know, had huge numbers of, of vocations at that time. Um, you know, for various different reasons, and there's possibly quite a few of those priests and religious who should never have been priests and religious, and certainly should not have been dealing with with vulnerable people and with children. And as we know, terrible things happened. But was it that trust that uh, the church enjoyed that attracted these paedophiles into the church? There may be. I mean, it's a very complex issue. I, I can't, I'm not an expert on it, I can't really say what the reasons were, but I'm sure that there was a certain amount of truth in that, uh, that, you know, there was huge access uh, to young people, to children, to vulnerable people, to the institutions that the church uh, run and operated. So there definitely there probably was a number of people who were attracted 
to the church, practice to uh, membership of, of religious orders and become a clergy for that reason. Um, I, I I can't say for definite, but I'm sure there has to that has to have been part of it. Did church teaching feed into it? Do you think, Bishop, uh, and uh, the sexual repression of uh, gay people, for that matter? Well, there, yes, certainly the whole conversation around sexuality would definitely have have uh, coloured things at the at the time. I, I'm sure. I mean. It is a very important area of, of human life, of human existence. And, uh, you know, the, the Church has teachings which are based on the teachings of Christ, and it tries to protect the, the institution of marriage. It tries to protect the, the, the institution that is the family, and it leads the, the family, and marriage is very much the, the, the sort of the foundation mm. for a stable society. And that's based on, on, on Christian teaching. But that's what people can't balance in their mind and never have been able to balance it in their mind uh, since we became aware that uh, the Catholic Church was a, a breeding ground for paedophiles because on one hand uh, you're trying to uphold moral principles and on the other hand you're turning a blind eye to the sexual abuse of young children. Well, I, I don't think there was a, a blind eye necessarily totally tar- torn towards it. I mean... Um, there was possibly very little understanding of just the recidivist nature of the, 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 the paedophile, of the abuser. And by that I mean, you know, that there was a constant re- repeat action, effectively. So there's very little understanding of that. And, and oftentimes, I suppose, church authorities felt that if they, they reprimanded somebody or simply mm. moved them to another parish or punished them in some way, that it would improve. But that didn't happen. And um, we know now that that was totally wrong, that that was uh, not the way to deal with the the issue at the time. Mm, But there's many now who would say that uh, what is wrong now was wrong then. And, uh, I mean, it's not historical. Uh, The abuse of a a child was just as wrong then, and people were just as sensible and just as informed. Uh, They knew that you just shouldn't do that and that it was wrong, that it was a a crime, a terrible crime, a heinous crime, uh, on vulnerable young children. Yes, it, it certainly was. And, um, you know, I suppose the, the, the major uh, sort of fault of the church was that it tried to protect itself. It tried to protect its own reputation. Mm. Uh, and it did not deal with the, with the issues that were there. Mm. And, and a lot of people were hurt and a lot of people suffered and, as a result of that. And the information that we've received over the years, the, the, the revelations of, of how church leaders lied by another name, mental reservation, uh, by withholding the truth, uh, was shocking to most people who had put their faith and everything uh, they believed in into the church. Uh, And then the revelation of these canonical trials where young children who had been abused by priests were put in the stand to all intents and purpose uh, and ridiculed over what somebody had done to them. It's very yeah. hard to forgive all of that, isn't it? it I'm, not, I'm certainly not going to excuse it, Michael, mm. definitely. It, it is extremely difficult for any of us who are involved in church, uh, any of us who see the, the importance of church in, in, in life, um, that such a thing could have, could have happened. I think the church in Ireland became too closely linked uh, to temporal power, 
uh, is it too much of a position of power within society? And anything that would have undermined that was dealt with badly. Um, you say you want the conversation now to include openness and love and to help heal some of these wounds uh, that we've been talking about from uh, the past. Are, do those wounds belong in the past? Can people feel assured that the church is a different church today and uh, that there is the prospect of moving forward? I think there is the prospect of moving forward. I mean, we, we are starting a synodal process. As you know, it's been very much a catch phase of Pope Francis throughout his, his papacy of developing a synodal church, a synodal pathway for the church to, to organize itself. Now, what does that mean? Basically, it means that there is more conversations, that there's more dialogue, that there's more listening uh, to people and talking to people and walking with people on the journey so that there's less of what there was in the past which led to the abuses of sort of edicts being handed down from above and people just accepting them um, without thinking almost. Nowadays, we have to, if we have particular teachings as a church, we have to explain them. We have to, uh, to, to walk with people and their difficulties with them. Some people will never accept certain teachings of the church. But does that mean that they're totally outside of the church? No, it doesn't. You know, we have to... to, to, to sort of rebuild trust again with people uh, to, to kind of convince them that we are listening, that we are trying to, to, to promote the message of Jesus Christ uh, in the world with all the difficulties that that sometimes can entail and uh, to, to let people know and to assure people that they have a place within the church even if they can't fully live by all of the principles of the church even if they can't fully understand them, that there is a welcome there, that, that we are compassionate people, that hospitality is important. Now, there's always a battle. There's always some people who say, no, no, we have to be extremely firm on everything that we teach, you know, and, and almost kind of punish people if they can't live up to that. But I, that is not, that's not the, the, the model that has been put forward by Pope Francis. It's not the model that's been put forward by the church in Ireland which is beginning on this uh, synodal pathway. And over the next five years, we hope to have those conversations, consultation with people, Mm. to listen to people, to talk to people, to let them vent uh, about their frustrations and their hurt and their anger with the way the Church managed things in this country in particular uh, over the last um, 70, 80, 100 years. So it's a new way of being Church. And it's going to take time. It's going to take time for people to understand that and to it's going to take time for a lot of people who, who are within the church uh, to fully accept it. Uh, it's going to be um, something which is challenging, but I think, personally, I think it's going to be something which is very exciting as well. Okay. Well, and that we will, there will be more sort of a two-way conversation, that, it, that there won't be sort of teaching coming unexplained from the from on high from the hierarchy but that actually there will be conversations and particularly I think we need to begin the conversation about the role of women in the church because in so many ways we depend upon women we depend upon their service we depend upon their contribution they need to to have a voice at the table 
Okay, Bishop Michael, thank you indeed uh, for speaking to us uh, this morning uh, as part of what, as you say, will hopefully be an ongoing conversation. Uh, That's Bishop Michael Reuter, Auxiliary Bishop of Armagh and uh, Director of uh, the Towards Healing Counselling and Support Service. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.